to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Joachim Eriksson. Can you tell from the sound of my voice that my eyes are closed? That's something I wonder about a lot. Like, does my voice sound different when my eyes are closed? Because I think the answer is yes, but I'm not sure. It's Thursday afternoon right now. I've had the last 48 hours off, basically, off work. Went and saw the Barbie movie yesterday. I had nothing going on. I've been very, I don't know, there's something about like being a workaholic and being overworked and being on the cusp of burnout where like one counterintuitive side effect of it is actually that on my days off, I've actually been extremely productive, which is you would expect it to be that on my days off, I'm just like bedridden because I'm so tired. But it's actually that I'm so trapped in uh, working on stuff while being exhausted that even on my day off, I'm like, okay, so there's one more tax document I got to do. Okay, so there and I just have all these to do lists of like infinite ideas of stuff that I want to do. And I maybe I want to talk about that because it's really like, I have all these ideas for stuff that it would be fun to do. And the moment I write it down, it becomes a prison. It becomes a, why haven't I done this already? And then when you have hundreds of things you have thought, where you're like, why don't I email the library and offer to be a, or sign up for their volunteer program? Because it'd be nice to just like spend two hours a week just sort of like, talking to a group of kids about how computers work or how to use windows or, you know, being like a, just talking to them about chess or just putting books on the shelf and whispering, just figuring out where the books are. So when people just volunteering for two hours a week, just packing things up. And then, so actually today I did it and I Googled like volunteering locally and it's like, (laughs) hilarious there's a hilarious disconnect between what i want it to be and what it is it's a lot of uh yeah so you got to wake up at 7 a.m and you got to fill these like 1200 envelopes or you got to wake up at 7 a.m and you got to take these boxes that have 12 cans in each box and you got to open them and you got to uh distribute them out into smaller boxes where there's eight cans in each box. So we need this entire warehouse of boxes with 12 cans in each box, and we need them put into new boxes that are eight cans per box. Like, okay. Like, you want some meaningful thing where you sit down across from someone who's, like, going to be president 30 years from now, and they're, like, a little bit down in the dumps because they have a tough upbringing, but really it's just a character-building exercise for them their whole childhood, and then you're, you get to be a, <laughs> a shining light in the darkness for them, where you get to feel like it's really meaningful. Okay, but so let's talk about this. I've been feeling incredibly um, empty. My heart's been feeling completely empty, which is maybe why I've been... So I'm toying with the idea of like, are there meetings I can go back to, but I'm being lazy with it and I'm not going to meetings. And I wish I could sponsor people in AA, but... I just never really connected with anyone, and I never really put my name on the list of potential sponsors, so, you know, I just want it to magically happen without me. You know, so I watched the Barbie movie yesterday, and one thing that I really resonated, that really resonated with me, which is, it's really how, uh, there, there are many, oh God, where do I start? 
there was one thing that they say where they just talk about how impossible it is to be a woman because you're supposed to like have money, but you're not supposed to ask for money because that's crass, but you're supposed to make your own money and you're not supposed to have too much. So you come off as competitive and you're not supposed to be bossy, but you have to like manage and just the inherent contradictions of being a woman. And I like really feel a lot of those contradictions because I think we have gotten somewhere along the way of deconstructing patriarchy. So like a lot of that is what it feels like to be a man too now when you try to be a modern man, right? Yeah, I don't know. There are so many things where how society is changing and it hurts. And I just, it's I feel it too much and it hurts too much. And I, I think about things too much. And, and I really just need to develop these like peaceful a way to find peace with it all. And um, it's like completely useless things to be thinking about. Like I listened to this big um, podcast series on globalization and I'm just so lonely and every, all my emotions are so raw that like all these like little human stories on the radio, I just feel them too much. And then at the end of it, I just had to like turn it off and, and just be like, okay, it's okay. Like there's an opioid epidemic and. Appalachia because of globalization, because the jobs went to China, but all those people in China now have more money. So like, you know, 600 million people were lifted out of poverty in Asia and 40 million people in America were pushed down into deeper poverty. And we just have to be at peace with it all. <laughs> and it's like, it has abs. I shouldn't say it has nothing. I was going to say it has nothing to do with me. It has very little to do with me. It's like, sure, you can say that globalization is something that everyone's part of or whatever, but it's also like, it's really not my story. <laughs> so I like really shouldn't have these extremely raw, like I shouldn't be tearing up all the time, but I like tear up all the time. <laughs> so stupid and then there's all this stuff about i don't know i'm watching the barbie movie and it's like yeah i didn't connect with it completely i think it's um i think part of it is just expectations because and i was trying to i was thinking about this yesterday after i saw it and i was talking to maddie about this a little bit but it's like um it's such a strong and kind of weird dynamic when, and it's so like embarrassing when you are a fan of something when it's kind of small and then when it gets big, it's very hard to find a relationship with it where you find yourself amongst all the new fans and you like it the way they like it. And it's embarrassing to be that person who's like, no, 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 I liked it before it was cool. Like, now Greta Gerwig is very cool, and now everyone likes her, except Ben Shapiro, who hates her. But it's like, everyone likes Greta Gerwig now, and I liked her before she was cool, so now I don't like her anymore. Like, is that really my choice? Is that really who I'm choosing to be? Like, that's one of the worst choices ever. <laughs> but, like, I have been obsessed with Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach for a long time, Um you know, Francis Ha. Actually, it's actually really my buddy Sam who um, in, told me to watch Francis Ha. And I just found it to have this like little mood to it that was really pleasant. So I just went to all the other ones like uh, like Mistress America and Nights and Weekends and stuff. And, and none of them really was like Francis Ha. And then Lady Bird was like 
a, a medium big movie and then Barbie became this incredible economic moment. It's like this, Jesus, it's like this incredible singular event, um, which is interesting in its own right. Like, there's so many articles about how the Taylor Swift, <laughs> the Taylor Swift um, tour is the tickets are so fucking expensive, and the whole thing is so fucking big, and she does these fucking stadiums that um, it's like lifting America out of a recession. We're like avoiding a recession by spending so much money on this one thing, um, which is very interesting. And then like. When she played some fucking song I don't know the name of, everyone danced and jumped so much that it registered as a 3.2 um, Richter scale earthquake uh, because there's so many of them. And then the Barbie movie has a similar thing where like there are so many people coming out for this movie that actually at work at Holbrook, we have noticed how like will be really in a slump and it'll be really quiet, but we have the Del Oro movie theater, which is the biggest movie theater around and it's a historic movie theater and it's very cool. It's just like a block from us. So, and all the other, you know, places around where you can get a drink are a little bit like Nazi. So if you're the kind of lib who are, you're going to go see Barbie with 10 of your friends, you don't want to go to Sergio's. <laughs> you know, you don't want to go to Sergio's because they host like Proud Boys rally, proud Proud Boy rallies. Um, so they're super alt right. Everyone else is super alt right, so they show up at us. So we get this like incredible spike in business before the Barbie movie showings, and then after the showings, another spike in business. So it's like literally lifting us out of a rut. <laughs> I find it very interesting to have these. Very, very, like, specific, singular uh, cultural products become a leverage that's that powerful. But anyway, so then I'm go I go to watch the movie, and I just can't really... I couldn't really get into it, and, and it, the jokes weren't really that funny to me. And, and I love feminism and everything, but it just felt like a little bit like feminism from 20 years ago. And, and it just didn't really... It didn't get me particularly excited, but... And and I think part of it is just that I – it's just so hard to – but I really want to learn how to do it, though. It's just so hard to love something when it's really niche and then to watch it grow into something really mainstream and then to to have the neuroplasticity and to have the loss of ego and to be able to drop your ego and just love it now with all of these new fans. I think that is a very healthy and mature and – strong person's thing because the 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 thing of how you like you you like the cool thing before it was cool it's so much about ego and it's so much about taking credit which is one of the most ridiculous forms of taking credit the the credit of fi wanting a finder's fee for finding a good music artist before they're cool like you understand that you didn't make that music like you didn't put your like blood and sweat and tears into this thing to make the music. All you did is that you listened to a bunch of bad, not yet mainstream music and found some cool stuff in, you know, mixed in with the bad stuff. And now you want a ton of credit for being this person that found the cool thing before it was cool. Like it is, and then, or like, 
when someone sends you a meme and you've already seen it and you're like, I've already seen this one. That used to be way more of a thing. We're actually, we've actually moved away from that a lot, I think, because now that the river of memes is so wide and powerful and it's just like this white water river of so you see the same memes three four times and it's fine but it used to be that you saw fewer and so whenever you saw when and it was a lot more sending them from a a person instead of like an instagram meme account it would be like these you know you're hanging out on 4chan and people post memes and if you ever see one that you've already seen you're like ah. You're so fucking behind. The fact that you posted this one that I saw last week, like that used to really be the culture. And I feel like we've moved away from that a little bit where now if people re-see a meme that they've already seen, there's not some spike in, it's a much healthier, we have a much more healthy relationship to it all now, I think. But um, yeah, so I want to be this type of person that can that can have loved Francis Ha, and I watched it three times, and me and Sam talked about it so many, so much of just, you know, what what is it? How do you, what is a mood like that? Like, how do you create a mood like that? And then to have her become this person that becomes really for everyone, and to just stand here with everyone, and to just love her still with everyone, I want to, that's who I want to be. And I think also baked into it is like this weird understanding of celebrity where it's very easy to think that like all the biggest stars in the world were always huge stars and they never came from anywhere. Like Scarlett Johansson was just born incredibly famous, but it's like everyone who is incredibly mainstream and incredibly famous was at some point a teenager that was like, trying trying all this stuff out and then someone in their 20s trying all this stuff out and then eventually become a big but like everyone had a sort of pre-success moment and to be obsessed with being someone that knew their name before they were in, in their pre-success state it's like as if that like why do we attach so much what what is the thing there it doesn't make any sense like why would it make you really cool if you accidentally saw like a 30-minute film school short or whatever starring Scarlett Johansson from when she was at Juilliard or whatever these fucking names are that people in America say, oh, she was at Juilliard and she was in a 30-minute thing. And what if you accidentally on YouTube saw it and she wasn't famous yet and you watched Scarlett Johansson for 30 minutes and then she catapults into mega stardom and it's like why is that something that makes you special that you accidentally saw the 30 minute thing on YouTube like why do you why why do you have such a strong feeling about that is it that is it something about taste and having good taste because if you watched the 30 minute thing of Scarlett Johansson before she was famous and then you tell yourself out loud into the room hey i think this lady has she's got it she's got the it she's an it girl she's going to be famous and then if that becomes true it sort of means that that you have like good taste but really good taste in this sense it's just that you're the most average person ever because what mega superstardom means is to be able to appeal to have mass appeal. And mass appeal is really just 
the act of being incredibly average. Like the, if you're a consumer of what is a product for mass appeal, you're an incredibly average person. Not that Scarlett Johansson is average for being super famous. That's uh, clearly not what I'm saying because that wouldn't make any sense. But but you are for thinking she's hot, you know? You thinking that Margot Robbie is hot makes you average. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. I remember when Channel Orange came out from Frank Ocean, that album, and I remember listening to it right away and just being like, Jesus Christ, this is so different and so fresh and so well-produced. And the imagery and the tropes and just like, this is just one of the most sophisticated piece, most sophisticated pieces of culture I've ever gotten to listen, be part of, uh, enjoy. That I immediately, for the first time in my life, I went to my, I have this, my aunt married this guy, my uncle, basically. Um, he is, and he spent like, 30 grand on speakers for his living room and he has his record collection that's incredibly big and we don't have at all the same music taste like he only listens to fucking weird prog rock from the 70s or like modern shit but like not he literally has a record collection of 10,000 records and I haven't heard of a single one of them because I only listen to rap music probably but anyway for the first time ever I like bought the Frank Ocean album as a record, the LP, or whatever it's called in English, um, the big vinyl. Is that what it's called? Is LP? LP is like something else. LP is what we call it in Swedish. Oh, yeah. In Swedish, for some t for some reason, vinyl is called a, a long play, an LP. But uh, anyway, so I, I buy the vinyl of the record and I give it to him because I just felt like this is like something really special. And then a year later, it was very clear. It, it won a bunch of Grammys, and then it just became this, like, real sort of mute. It just became a really deeply respected um, product, culture product. And I felt, I just felt this deep sense of, like, having good taste that I picked that, that I got that myself without anyone telling me. And which is, like, very, it's so, like, doesn't it just mean that I'm average, though? Like, doesn't it just mean that I'm, why does it, 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 is it feeling connected? It, it's something, the opposite of alienating, though. It is, in a way, the opposite of alienating, because you get to feel like you have the same taste as people, which is a good feeling. But it's not that simple. It's not as simple as it's a good feeling, because we want it, We want to be unique, but we don't want to be too, like, we want to have unique taste, but we don't want to have... We don't want to be too unique because it's very lonely to be too unique. Really, we, we just want to have a lot of followers. We want to be first to the thing and then we want to enjoy it the most. And then we want to tell other people about it. And then we want a bunch of other people to agree with us and say, yes, you have the right opinion. I will keep listening to you. I will keep liking the stuff you like because you have good taste. And then we want millions of people to agree with us and say that we have the right to taste like that's what we want as consumers but really in a way what i'm what i think is like you got it being a consumer is not hard like being a consumer is a very passive act and anyway let me i'm going to pivot to a new topic here but it's actually very related in a way 
and it's um i've I've talked about this multiple times and i'm just i'm this time i'm going to talk about it with great specificity because i have an example i have a practical example i'm super super fascinated in the process of getting into a new artist um becoming a fan like the act of becoming a fan because as much of as much of a passive act as it is to um, fall in love with something, with a culture product, with a movie or a, or a music or, you know, a book, it, there, there, it is a little bit of work to like, to get your, to calibrate your sense of attention, to get it down, to slow it down to a frequency where you can take in a whole thing. It's like, it takes a little bit of self-care and a little bit of like, you know, getting your ADHD and under control. It takes a little bit of like getting the TikTok. Like, fuck, man, I'm, I think I'm about to hang out with with the girl again tonight. And and um, we're going to watch a movie. And she's always telling me how she can't watch movies because she's got too much ADHD and she's on TikTok too much. And I'm really going to try to like be like hey so we're gonna watch this movie now and i'm gonna take your phone and i'm gonna put it in the drawer and i think i'm actually gonna do that and i'm probably gonna then see her like squirm and kind of really like go through a process of withdrawal but i'm very interested in what that will look like and because i don't think that's bad for her it's very paternalistic to be like i'm gonna tell you what to do with your attention here but at the same time it's like i'm just interested where she's at because She's like 25 and I'm just very interested in like people at different ages now and what do do the 25 year olds and the 15 year olds are they different from each other and are they different from me and it really feels like the teenagers have their attention more figured out where they just always had TikTok so they became jaded to it in a way where they actually can sit down and read a book in in a counterintuitive way but but anyway here's here's the example this week, I learned to love Meek Mill. And Meek Mill has been famous for a very long time, um, 10 years or whatever. And I've known Meek Mill's name for a long time. And I've always been like, yeah, I'm not into Meek Mill. I don't, I don't know what that's about. And I've tried at times to listen to Meek Mill and I haven't gotten into it. And then Meek Mill has been featured on, it's such a funny example that I'm talking about Meek Mill. This is about to be super cringe. And I'm even going to talk about a, like, for example, there's a Drake song. There's a Drake song, the name of which I cannot remember. Maybe next something. And maybe there's a different one called Rico. And maybe I've heard both of those. And maybe I've enjoyed both of those. And they're both featuring Meek Mill. And it's very interesting. So the whole thing goes like this then. I'm exposed to Meek Mill then in those settings. But I think when the when Meek Mill hops on and he's like doing his thing of being like, yep, 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 I think I'm not like really hearing it and it doesn't land with me and it doesn't give me anything. But then when Drake does his thing of being like, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but I'm like, oh yeah, I know this voice. I know this guy. It's so much of it is actually about the the literal imagery and the literal phrases because they use each rapper has their own sort of mythology that they refer to, which like if you when you've heard thirty songs by a rapper, you know a lot of 
their stories and the stuff they refer to. So then they'll start saying stuff that's like ultra, ultra, ultra shorthand for entire stories in their life that is impossible to understand when you've, if you just walked into the room and you don't know them. But like it becomes this thing, like Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne's phrases around, <laughs> I wish I had a list of, because I could come up with a whole, I could write the whole library because I really, really listen to a lot of rap music and I, I are, and I really sort of pay attention and I find it really interesting to sit and think about it and be like, wow, every single Lil Wayne song, he come up, comes up with some variation of the phrase like, I beat that pussy up, which we are all led to believe, he has never explained it. But we're all just led to believe that it just is a phrase that he uses for having sex with women. So he's just like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but so then Meek Mill, he has this thing of like, um, the, he, he's been to prison a bunch of times. And it's it's really, he's actually sort of like a criminal justice reform character now and very woke and it's all very interesting, actually. And he actually has a um, documentary series he's doing or has done or something. I haven't seen it yet. Produced by, like, Jay-Z about corruption on the federal level. Because he his original crime was – he's now in his 30s. But when he was 17, he just lived in the ghetto and he got arrested and had an illegal gun on him. And while getting arrested, he fought the cops and he like beat up these cops. And so that gets you in a lot of trouble. And then ever since he's been on probation and the probation has always included, hey, you're not allowed to leave this city. And then he will be offered these weird things of like, he's a rapper, not weird things, but he'll be offered things like go on fucking tour and make a million dollars. And he will sort of submit he has to submit to the court that he wants to leave the city and they will like deny it and then he'll go on court again that I mean then he'll go on tour and then he'll be arrested for having left the city of philadelphia and then it's just and that's like a non-crime if you're really honest though like leaving a city is not really like it's all shit like that where it's like oh he was in the same building as someone with a gun and he's on probation. He left the city again, even though he's on probation. And um, yeah, anyway, it, that, that's not really the part of this. But but so the part of it that's interesting is like, there are these songs where he, he talks about the judge who has been, there's like a single federal judge that's been handling his case for 20 years. And it's this black lady. And he has incredibly complicated feelings about it because the fact that a black lady keeps sending him to prison he's like super racist he hates white people but it makes him he, it's like a lot of very mixed emotions that it's a black lady that keeps sending him back to prison and it's actually a very interesting psychological model that he unpacks in this like really really just the intricacies of it and like what is going on in her mind and like what is the narrative she's telling herself about how she is ruining the lives of these um, young black people, and but she's getting paid a lot of money to be part of this corrupt system. And it's like, what is her story? And how does she justify it for herself? And at some parts of his life, in during some periods of his life, he hated her, and other parts he, other periods he he like looked 
you know, ha- had a sense of pity towards her. And it's a, uh, just a very interesting psychological, spiritual journey throughout his life. And um, just being at peace with it all and having legal cases looming over you and still being creative and still being productive. Like, I find it incredibly impressive. I think it's all just like there's such a invisible tax on the mind of a person that has to exist through all that. I th- find it incredibly interesting. But anyway, just going back to the original thing I was talking about here. For some reason, I've been exposed to tons of Meek Mill songs. And then I found this one song, and it's called Dreams and Nightmares. And it's really like just one of his most popular songs. And it's such a good entry point because it just has this like, chill beginning and then it has a beat switch and it becomes super intense and on both in with both moods he's just like incredibly nice nice with it he gets really nice with it so then you listen to this one song i listened to this one song so many times and after listening to it like 10 times i'm like damn i like this song so much i'm gonna go see if i can listen to a different meek mill song and I wasn't ready. And I go to all these different ones and I can't listen to them. And none of it is interesting to me. And so I just go back to the first original one song. And I'm like, wow, so crazy that I like this song so much, but I, that I cannot get into any other songs of his. And then I finally found the next Stepping Stone song, which was um, Trauma. It's like kind of similar. It's got a lot of intensity. It's just he gets really nice with it. And it's also one of his most popular songs. These are good entryway songs with like incredible mass appeal where he really unpacks things without a lot of shorthand. So you can really trauma is a song solely about this judge who has followed him his entire life. And like when you read about it, the crazy she said some crazy shit like she clearly views him as a way for herself to become famous and make money and she is or she, when he breaks the law or like um does something that violates his uh probation her her punishment to for him like we, we, she will do this like stuff where it's like court ordered for him to talk about her in songs and she like court ordered him to re-record the song bad boys or whatever from from the Will Smith movie, Bad Boys, and re-record this song and shout out me. It was something she ordered him to do, which is like such a fascinating, fucked up, uh, narcissistic thing for her to ask him to do. Um, But yeah, so then I'm listening to this song, Dreams and Nightmares. I transition over. I find a next stepping stone. It's called Trauma. I listen to Trauma 30 times. And... This is over a period of a few weeks. And all throughout this period, I'm trying to um, find other songs that I like. And I listen to all the – I skip around in all these different albums of him because he has like six studio albums and like a ton of music out. But somehow – and this is what I find so fascinating. It's all colorless to me. Like all of his other music is colorless. And then when I've listened to the first two songs that I do like, when I've listened to them both 50 times each or something, something absurd like that, it's like a switch is flicked and I have just like become someone that have so deeply absorbed all the imagery introduced, all the phrases and the characters and the stories quickly introduced in 
these first two songs that a switch is flicked and now there's color. All of his repertoire now has color. So now I can go to the album Championships and I can just listen through the entire album start to finish and 60% of all the songs are bangers on there to me now. And I find it so interesting that like I listened to all those songs before, but somehow three weeks ago I wasn't ready. And then now all of those songs are fucking incredibly good to me. You take songs like What's Free with Jay-Z. Oh my God. Jay-Z does that like slow, really, really enunciated over a minimal beat, like jazz musician thing that he does sort of on like Story of OJ. This is really becoming like a rap music podcast episode now. But but anyway, um, and then um, I listened to the album Championships a bunch. And then yesterday I went to the next album. I think it's called Expensive Pain. I think it might be his most recent album, but it's already two years old or whatever. And just... Every song, you start with the intro, the intro to all of these albums, just straight bangers. This guy is, he's so good and he gets, he gets so nice with it. And I just wonder if you could package it like this. And it's, I mean, it's already the, like Spotify is already trying to package it like this for me. Because if I go to Meek Mill the artist page or whatever, the second most played song or like the number two song in the sort of here's how to introduce this artist to you is the song that I got in that, that helped me get introduced to the artist, the song that I was ready for without knowing anything about the artist. So like Spotify already sort of does this. I don't know why I'm so fascinated with it. I think it's just about how I find it so weird to really, really, really love something and to know that I listened to this a month ago and I wasn't ready for it, so I didn't see it at all. Like, you know, I've used the example of The Godfather so many times of like, I watched The Godfather like five times and I just couldn't get myself on the right frequency and I just fucking hated it. And then I just, for some reason, I tried again and then like the sixth time I got into it, and it's just so weird to me that, like, what was different? Anyway, now I'm going dangerously close to um, the thing in the Barbie movie where they're, like, they make fun of men and, like, shitty things that men do with women. And it's, like, explaining why the Godfather movie is good. <laughs> it's, like, a good way to get a man into a... You know, the thing I found to be missing, and I, I said this to Maddie, the thing, the puzzle piece that I really want to be added into um, American feminism, that I feel like American fem feminism is lacking, is the, um, just remember the idea that patriarchy sucks for everyone. That it actually is really, really limited and really... Um, What's the just constrictive to be a man under strict patriarchy? It's actually very uncomfortable because you aren't free to do whatever you want, and you have to you have to adhere to a very strict role, and there are responsibilities that you would much rather share with women than carry yourself. Like there are many discomforts of being like. The discomforts of being a woman under patriarchy are worse, but I just really feel like the way to 
convince like the way to make the world a better place is to convince everyone that we don't want a state of like dictatorial patriarchy and to convince everyone including ben shapiro you have to remember to tell people that like hey hey ben shapiro you're actually going to be a lot more free if we just like relax a little bit here and just create freedoms Instead of just and it's like Maddie made fun of me for making this point because she's like, "Oh, you want the the Barbie movie to be more about you and how hard your life is?" And it's like, "Yeah, exactly. I need every single movie to be about me and how hard my life is, and to have a Barbie movie that's about how hard it is to be a woman. I can't live with that. I need the Barbie movie to be different, and they needed to be about me." I need everything to be about me, and I need everything to be about my pain and how difficult it is to be me. But I just feel like I view the Barbie movie as a form, as a, as a you know, it's propaganda, and it's propaganda that I like because I like what it's trying to do, and I just wish for it to be better propaganda, and I just think that it could be better propaganda if it really took that next step of also saying yes, life for. Women would be much better if we, um, you know, let go of patriarchy. But life, life for men would also be better if we let go of patriarchy. Anyway, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. But but it's a it's a great movie, and I, I love that it's having this moment. And you know, I love, I that what I do love, which is in strict contradiction with what I just said, is almost that this is like really, really a moment that's not for men. And I kind of love being excluded and just having women have their own thing where it's like the movie is for them and it's really only about them and it's really only about their problems and their solutions. And it's like I'm obsessed with how I want a holistic solution that fixes everything. But but it's like it's nice though. It's It, it does make me deeply happy to – that – there's this thing, you know, like when your friend gets a good job, you know, like your friend that you truly love that you are not like you love your friend in a way where you don't feel like you're in competition with them, which is very hard and rare. Like it's very hard to not feel like you're in competition with someone. And like how when Maddie gets to go on KVMR, I just like truly feel so happy for her because I truly just want good things for her. And it's like, not zero sum. It's not that she gets something and that means I don't get something. It's just completely unrelated to me. And I don't need it to be related to me. You know, I don't need it to be about like, if she's successful, then I can write her coattails later. Or I don't need anything. I just need, I'm just happy that there's this person that I love who gets to have something good. And I'm just happy for them. Like, which is a very pleasant feeling that I would like to cultivate in myself because I'm like a deeply immature person and that feeling is like rare for me and it shouldn't be. Anyway, and I'm just saying that that's some that's how I'm trying to feel about the Barbie movie. Yeah. But it's it's interesting. Like the new world of um the new world of culture products that aren't just f- by white people for white people, it's interesting because there are so many different permutations and, and versions. Like there are black people movies that are like for black people. And then there are like truly black movies made by all black people. Like these really great 
Jordan Peele things or whatever that are really for everyone. And they have this like really beautiful and cool role of being almost like a black voice speaking to white people, which is very different from um, a black voice speaking to a black audience. Like both are really good in their own right, but it's just like, I think I'm, I'm watching the Barbie movie and it's so clearly a woman voice speaking to women and I'm a little bit twiddling my thumbs, even though I'm a girly boy. Like I'm a super girly, girly boy and everything and I don't like really even feel like a man, you know? Except, except when I'm pooping, and um, that's an Ali, I still that's an a hilarious Ali Colbert joke. That, yeah. Anyway, she she's like, yeah, I'm she her, but sometimes in the bathroom when I leave the bathroom, I'm like, what I did in there was he him, <laughs> and I think that's such a funny joke. I think that's a very funny joke about gender fluidity, that really speaks to something true. But um, yeah, I don't really feel like any of the labels or whatever and i just i'm gonna go with the he him thing because it's more grammatical but but uh but still i felt excluded watching the barbie movie and that made me feel a little bit butthurt but then when i grow up i when i'm when i am my grown-up self my charity my generous self that's not like stingy and and small-hearted i just i'm happy that there is um a, a woman movie where Greta Gerwig gets to speak to all women. And I just really want um, Barbie 2 to be like Greta Gerwig speaking to everyone because I, I think she can do it. I think she can make the whole world a much better place. And I love her so much and she's so fucking cool. And I love that she's from Sacramento and God, I'm, I'm reading Run River right now, which is like the Joan Didion book about Sacramento. And it's just, God, Oh God. It's the one thing that keeps me here. Okay, no, it's not. The, you know, the other sort of charitable uh, way I'm trying to look, teach myself how to look at my own life, because I'm, I'm walking around with this deep sense of emptiness. I think I started the episode talking about this. Um, I have this deep sense of emptiness, which is very different from feeling, like it's related, it's a low volume. It's a quiet feeling. It's related to a few episodes ago, I talked about how I've been really lonely alone, and then that's a very quiet, low-volume feeling. The volume of that feeling is turned almost all the way down. You can almost not even hear it, but I'm alone, and I'm lonely. And then I got the opportunity to experience the much louder, horrible feeling of being in a group of people that want to be your friend, but you feel alienated from them, so you get to feel lonely with people, and it's um, much worse, much louder. And then so... I don't know. I was hanging out with Maddie yesterday after the movie and she was very sad and, and it felt, seemed like a very loud feeling, like her loneliness and stuff felt like a very loud feeling. And I was feeling how my own loneliness is so quiet. But then I woke up today and I, I just have this complete emptiness in my heart, which is so quiet. And, and I feel so meaningless and I feel like nothing matters. And what I'm trying to teach myself is like, and this is going to f sound very uh, self-important, but it's like I need – for me to be okay with myself, I need to be allowed to believe that I am a little bit important. Like it's our only way – I don't know. I think it's the only way to to get to know how to exist is to, to allow yourself to think that you matter. And so I'm trying to teach myself how to just be like, look, 
what I do is, like, I'm not a doctor, you know? I don't save lives for a living. I don't, I'm not a politician. I don't make the world a better place like that. I'm not in any kind of industry that just makes the world a better place. And then when you're in hospitality, when you're in, like, food and beverage, people love to to think of themselves of it as important because it is like a form of entertainment. Like, good food is kind of a form of entertainment. So people, hospitality has a way of being self-important where it's like, it's like, um, well, we're giving people good experiences. And I, I really struggle to truly believe in that. Like, it is something I espouse and I evangelize around that. And I give it to other people. But in my own heart, I don't believe in it. But so the thing that I'm trying to teach myself to believe in is like, look, I'm a boss over a team of like 20 or 25 people or something. And it's like they have – like their job is a big part of their lives and the job can be horrible and that can be a horrible, you know, 25% of their time they spent at work and those that 25% of the time can be kind of bad and recently there's been just difficult times when it's been bad and then further back it was like good, kind of prolonged good times and I'm working very hard to make it good and I'm focusing on that more of like, if I can make this like a good, if I can make this like a safe space for young people, it sounds so fucking ridiculous. If I can, like, it sounds like, what am I, a camp counselor? Yeah, I just really want to make it like a good experience. It's so frail, though. It's such a dangerous thing to attach myself value to because then when they freak out at me and yell at me, my entire sense of identity falls apart because I'm like, I guess no one is having a good experience here. And then they say mean things about me and they're like, well, everything sucks here. Like they'll look at me and be like, everything sucks here and it's because of you. And then if I've attached my whole self sense of self-worth to the fact that I make it good for them at work, <laughs> then, I'm, then I just have to go into the non-existent closet and not exist. And just, I just have to be on the floor. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't know that I have it in... I don't know that I have any of it figured out, but uh, yeah, it's all, it's all pretty bad. It's all pretty bad. It's all pretty bad and it could be solved by things that are very different from what we think is the solution. I think I just, you know, some pretty arbitrary, weird, small stuff could solve everything, but yeah, like I got into such a, like I watched the Barbie movie yesterday and then. I'm going home and I was feeling a little bit lonely and I just like pulled over in Nevada city and I just was feeling like I wanted to spend time with people, but I feel like it's so impossible for me. And then this is my experience. I park in Nevada city. I walk around. I just sort of want to talk to someone that I like. And then I walk past golden era and I see McKay in there and he's bartending and he's a guy that I hired for Holbrook, but he, he left and I was working at golden era. He left under great circumstances I view him as a really good friend. Like, we've never hung out outside of work, but I like him a lot. And <clears throat> I think we just, like, really get along and I would love to talk. And he, I don't know, he's many times proposed that we should hang out. And I should really write down that I need to hang out with him. But so I see him in there and he's just, like, sort of wiping something down. And I could just go in there, sit on a bar stool in front of him, shoot the shit with him for 20 minutes. But I'm so avoidant and lonely and, like maladaptive i'm such a broken little robot that's like 
the robot needs a battery and the battery is in front of the robot and the robot has an arm. But when the ar- robot arm reaches out for the battery, it just like, it just like the programming gets stuck in itself and it just starts punching itself in the face instead. And so I just don't go in there and I'm just alone and I walk away. And then I walk around alone, just like listening to other people having fun. And then I just sit down in my car and next to me, I see this British fella pull up that I know, I know he's, I've only met him like a couple of times, but we had some really like deep, nice conversations and we're like similar age and we're both like not from this country. And it's kind of weird to be a foreigner here. Like to be a European here is a little bit weird because it's a weird mix of like root bump countryside and and super international and it's like it is a little bit alienating and a little bit inviting it's like a really half half kind of deal and we really connect over how day we make it work and so i see him sort of like walk alone into crazy horse which is a bar and then i could have just walked after him because he you could tell that he like he had a very open energy to him where he was very approachable he didn't seem like he knew where he was going, but he was just like, I'll just walk into this crowded bar and see if I see someone I know, which is like the perfect person to be like, hey, bro, hey. But instead, I just look at him and I just watch him walk slowly and I just don't. I don't yell out to him and I don't experience anything. And then instead, I like call my mom and talk to her for 10 minutes and then I almost get sideswiped while I almost get hit. Someone almost crashes into me while I'm sitting in my car. So my mom is like, bro, you're not parked in a good spot. Call me back later. And we hang up and then I don't call her back later. And that's that's what I do instead. And it's like, got to figure this out, you know. Like I'm so capable of being social if I just can get someone to do the first step. Like I am, I am sensitive and it can all fall apart. Like if I didn't have this job where I'm just in a habit of walking in with high energy and just having and just yelling it just like yelling hello to everyone if I didn't if I wasn't deeply in that habit I'm so like liable to end up in a situation where I don't say hello to anyone for two years and I should be grateful that I'm that I have good habits but yeah anyway yeah I don't know Okay, let's drink this water. So this week we're doing a CBD water. It's the brand APRCH forward slash forward slash. Uh, This flavor is blackberry, 25 milligrams of CBD. Uh, Blackberry, huh? Open, sip, relax. Zero calories. With a thoughtful approach, we make better for you. We make, no. What? We make better for you beverages crafted to nourish with every sip. Bro, how how are you going to make that the sentence? That's not a sentence. With a thoughtful approach, we make better for you beverages crafted to nourish with every sip. So I get that better for you beverages would be a possible phrase if you hyphenate between better for you. Like, I'm going to call this a better for you beverage. But there's no hyphens. It's just... An incredibly both over and underworked sentence. Okay, let's smell it. Blackberry, very gentle. It it smells like it's gonna have a very round, round bubble. Ooh, a little bit more of a square bubble than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. 
That's actually very nice because it's gentle as fuck. Really, really small bubbles, like a flat white and um, really, really gentle flavor. Very metallic and unnatural flavor, but for some reason I'm I'm feeling a little bit like a broken robot. So give me a give me a metallic tasting sparkling water and I'll be good. Just give me just pour some motor oil in me. Um I'm trying to learn about cars because I'm such a girly boy that I don't know anything about cars. So I joined this um I I drive a Tacoma truck and I joined this Facebook group. I actually joined three of them just Tacoma Facebook groups, just these Facebook groups with like 200,000 members. But somehow it's the same 20 people uh, commenting and posting and 999,800 and fucking whatever, if it's 20 people left, 199,998 lurkers, as they're called. Um, So all the conversations are like, what do you think about my... Which kind of blinker fluid do you think I should put in this one? And it's just like the grill of an incredibly uh, manly looking truck. And then someone is like, whatever happened to the the hydro, the fucking hydro hydraulics? The king fucking kingfisher hydro hydraulics. And the guy is like, yeah, they're for sale if you want them. No, I already got some. But like, I, I know you had some before. It's like they know each other. They all know each other, but just on the internet. Like, how can you know everyone in a group of 200,000 people? And then... I go back to the beginning. I'm like, what's blinker fluid? And I'm like Googling it. And it's like a joke that there's so many random fluids in a car that sometimes men think it's funny to talk about blinker fluid because that's made up. That doesn't exist. And I'm like, ho, ho, ho. I'm in on the joke now because I Googled it. Ho, 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 ho. I don't know, man. I wish you could fix a car with a glue gun. (sighs) Anyway, I think I have to... um, I think I have to call it on this episode. I um I don't I don't know where I'm at. I think I need a therapist and I need to go to AA meetings and I need to volunteer at the library and I need a romantic partner who is an adult. I just need those four things and some friends and probably I need to quit my job and I just need those six things. And to live in a city where there's some real food. Like, if I could just change those seven things about my life, we're going to be golden. All right. So this episode is probably called Joe Kim is Almost Golden. Thank you for listening, everyone.